Welcome to another edition of the Green Beard Podcast. And as always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And your new favorite podcast is here for another week. AJ, how are you doing, my brother? Doing well, man. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> didn't, didn't hear a lot um, much from the Cowboys fans that I work with. Oh, um, they were they were hyped last week. I didn't hear anything today because there were a few of them inside there mm-hmm. at work. But you know, <laughs> it was just fun. I just I just let them because at the same time I'm in the same boat. But at least I didn't have the hope. It's the hope that kills you. Ain't that the truth? And this week, before we get started, of course, you know we do like to give a little bit of housekeeping. A part of our housekeeping this week is that the Green Bears Bracket Challenge is up and running. And for those of you who are paying attention to us on our socials, you will have seen the official Green Bears Bracket go up this week. And on top of that, you will also have seen my bracket. Unfortunately, all of us haven't done a bracket yet. So we don't I have... You don't have both the brackets yet. Okay, AJ, you see, you can explain. Go ahead, sir. No, because the thing is, and, and, and I'm not sure if you saw me mention this in, in the action chat, right? But it was, I was sitting on there to do it. But I, let me let me openly admit that everything that happened, I expected to happen. Like, none of the results surprised me. It was just that I found it very hard to sit down and do a bracket and have to put that I expect my team to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I, I do within deep within my heart. I didn't expect us to win that game. I've, I've been saying so, but to have to officially document it, it was it was kind of hurting me. It was something I could. You will have my brackets from from um, the divisional round going forward. I I guarantee you that. And what that is also good for you to mention that too is that for those of you who have not done your brackets as yet, but want to take part in our bracket challenge, it is not too late. For those of you who have not done your brackets, but you want to be in on the praises, this is your last week to do it. Because after this, then, I mean, there are very few games left in the schedule. So yeah. it's, it's either this week or not at all. But we do have some entrance in. And for those of you in Grenada, as we mentioned before, we have Digicel Grenada. They have come on board with a prize. So if you in Grenada are the winner of the bracket challenge, then you get $100 digital credit for your phone. So that is something that I know will help everybody. When I had a prepaid phone in the Caribbean, free credit, free credit was, <laughs> was the thing. So I think gold, boy, that's like gold. Exactly. So tell a friend, get involved in the bracket challenge. For those of you in Barbados, we have a prize coming to you from RMJ Agencies. And we will let you know what that prize is next week. You can't give you everything one time. You know, you're going <laughs> to bring it out piece by piece. So this yeah. stuff, folks, you have $100 free credit coming to you if you win. That is if you are in Grenada. And for those of you in Barbados, uh, we'll let you know what your prize can be from RMJ agencies so that was the housekeeping and now we are off the rip this week we are saying what the what 
Because sometimes things happen that catch you off guard, that could be hard to explain or just too funny in a sporting complex. So it makes you exclaim, what the what? Or whatever your choice of substitute would be for that second what. So AJ, what made you say what the what this week? Uh, so as you were discussing off air before, there were a lot of things that happened that did not surprise me. Um, like I said, I'd even put down in my nose for officiating because I think I was tired when I was, when I was beginning to, to do my prep, right? Because then when I came to my senses, I was like, AJ, did, did poor officiating really surprise you? Honestly, like, did it surprise you? And the reality is no, it didn't. What actually surprised me, luckily, I was able to find something. It was last night. It was how terrible the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> were. Like, I, I, I still expected the Rams to win that game. I did. But I did not expect it to, to be a flogging in the, in the manner that it was. I didn't expect the Cardinals to not be able to get anything done at all. Kyle Murray was, he was atrocious. He was <laughs> atrocious. And it's probably the worst game I've ever seen him play. And I, I, I know the Rams, well, you know, I have been very hesitant on giving these Rams praise. I'll, that's something I'll get into a bit later. But just the manner of, of the victory for the Rams and how timid and docile these Cardinals were after, you know, what they did at the first, in the first half of the season. Not that I was banking on that particularly, but I at least thought they'd put up a fight and they didn't. So that is what actually surprised me. I, it, it, felt, it felt almost awkward sitting through that entire game, watching that entire game. That, that actually genuinely surprised me. Well, my what the what... From the post-game press conference of Von Dat Prescott. Now, for those of you who didn't see, after the chaotic end to Dallas's loss to the San Francisco 49ers, the Cowboys fans let their displeasure be known by cascading debris on the players and rest as they left the field. And Dak first seemingly chastising the fans for their supposed lack of support of the team after another crushing loss, countered with credit to them, credit to them, when he heard that it was the refs that were the object <laughs> of their other. Is it what? The what? <laughs> did you see, did you see that he issued an apology today? No, I have, I have not been checking because I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. He, it was it was uncharacteristic of, of the kind of individual we know and the kind of leader that we know him to be. It was very uncharacteristic. <laughs> All I could do was laugh. He was clearly caught up in the moment. He said as much in his in his um, apology. I just saw Adam Schefter have retweeted it. It was maybe like just like an hour or so ago or something like that. But that <laughs> that was funny for me. That was that was something else. No, but the thing is, my walk the walk first was actually the fans throwing the stuff on the field. On the, right, right. Because, you know, it brings back to memory some memorable times when the fans got involved what was happening on the field of play. Mm -hmm. Like, Kensington Oval, for those of you cricket fans, <laughs> when um, the Australians had conspired to Tifo, Sherwin Campbell, batting at the time, and the Chesilton crowd then whistled all manner of bottles that they had in the stands onto the field, throwing at the Australian players, 
to the point where they had to appeal to the refs to allow Sherry Campbell to come back out and back. So he was no longer out. Yeah, it was that rough. That one, that story I did not know. <laughs> yeah, that that's I guess it probably did in me a bit because you know that's from that's from back in the day. That's from back I mean, I do I, yeah, I do remember when when Sherwin and Stewart were the, were the openers. That was when I actually used to be following cricket a bit more. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, so I remember that, but that story that's incredible. I did not know that. No, that to show you how long ago this was, this is when glass balls were allowed in the stands. So that would tell you. Yeah, it's true, true. So Enough of the cricket, though. On to this <laughs> um, relative letdown that was World Card Weekend. We mm-hmm. had six games of four blows. So, I mean, they didn't exactly blow us away with drama over the three days of football. So, let's do a recap. Now, first up was the first game. The Raiders at the Bengals with the Bengals winning 26-19. to 19. So, my question to you, AJ, mm-hmm. what is the ceiling for these Bengals. Just how far do you think they can go? I think they can go to the AFC Championship game. I really do believe so. Um, hope that is not giving away too much of my pick, but <laughs> I think they can go that far. I don't know as yet if I see them actually winning it, but by all appearances, I... I, I I'm very confident that that is their ceiling. They, they should at least be there. If not, it would have been a disappointing season. And I know this is not something we would have been seeing at the start of the season about the Bengals, but for where this team is right now, that should at least be where they're trying to go. I mean, in their minds and in their locker room, they will be saying to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, like some players have even come out and said that, right? Mm-hmm. For me sitting here, I'm saying, based on where they were at the beginning of the season, what their objectives may have been and Coupling that with where they are now, I'd say the AFC Championship game. They can, they can make it that far. They can make that a competitive game, but I just wouldn't be surprised if they lost in the championship game. No, it would be remiss of me to go against my bracket mm-hmm. that up for the Green Bay's bracket challenge, which has the Bengals also reaching the AFC Championship. But it's mm-hmm. no secret. Everyone who watches our show should know how much I like Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Now, when I look at the Bengals, and this is a comparison that just popped into my head when you spoke about them in mm-hmm. the championship game. Mm-hmm. Bengals now reminds me a lot of the Jaguars from a few seasons ago before they literally started to blow up their roster. Yeah, 20, like 2017 Jaguars or something was around there. Right, when mm-hmm. we had the, infam- the no infamous press conference after the game, well, not press conference, but after interview, yeah. With Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. When he said that, you know, they were going to go out to New England and they were going to win that bleep. So, <laughs> when I look at the, at the Bengals, the Bengals now feel as if they're in the same kind of position that the Jaguars were in at that time, except that the Bengals actually have a quality quarterback. Mm-hmm. So when we look at this game that they played this weekend, Burrow and the Bengals weren't stellar in this game. But they were mm-hmm. good enough to outlast a very game Las Vegas Raiders team mm-hmm. who had Derek Carr going for over 300 yards in the game. Now, the Bengals know, are they the class of the AFC? Definitely not. But can they be the class of the AFC in a few years? Absolutely. With a fantastic young core that will grow together, and I'm looking specifically at Burrow, Mixon, Chase, 
and Boyd. This might not be their year, but once they're still healthy, that year is coming. You can book it. Yeah, no argument here. I mean, I'm 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 a fan of Joe Burrow as well. The funny thing is that when so I know you said you don't follow the college team as much, right? But I was still doing my masters at that time, and I remember having a discussion with a guy from class because he's he's a Jaguars fan, so he was huge on Trevor Lawrence. And we knew from about a year prior that Trevor Lawrence was going to go to whoever had a number one pick. So when the Jaguars' fate was sealed, everybody knew, even before the draft, right? Yep. And I just remember having a conversation with him, and he was dead set. I mean, let, let's, to be fair to Trevor Lawrence, the Jags is a clone of a, like, it is, is, a, is a clone show, is a freak show of an organization, right? Mm -hmm. And football team. So I don't think, I think his best, his best is, is yet to come. But the way Joe Burrow has ingratiated himself into the league so far, I actually find amazing. I had very high hopes for him. I was, I was mentioning Trevor Lawrence because the, the, our discussion was about those two. And I was saying, I was telling the guy that I think Joe Burrow could, would be better in the NFL. I, I just wasn't buying all the Trevor Lawrence hype, even though I do like him. I just wasn't buying all the hype. But I, I'm, I'm even, I feel like Joe Burrow, Burrow has even blown me away with how, with how he's, because last year he was still good, even before mm -hmm. the injury. He was good. And the man has come back from the injury, which was a serious, it was a knee injury. Mm -hmm. and, and just hit the ground running again. And I'm like, you know, and you know what's the thing? The man don't even have a good O-line yet, Ken. He doesn't even have a good O-line yet. So <laughs> I completely agree with your analysis. The Bengals could be the class of the ASC in a couple seasons. As long as the owners don't allow like, things to go too haywire and just start making some random moves, transactions that, that scupper everything. But I, I agree with it. And especially with that young core, I rate it. Yeah. No. No, it's not the time for me to get into any um, Trevor Lawrence takes. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I have been on record saying some things about Mr. Lawrence in the past. So I'll leave that alone and we'll move on from Bengals to the first big blowout of the weekend. And AJ, you're not going to like this one too much because the Buffalo Bills blew the doors off the Patriots to the tune of a 30-point beatdown. 47-17 to 17 at Orchard Park. Josh Allen had less incompletions. <laughs> that he had touchdown passes for a completion of five TDs. And the Bills played the perfect offensive game. Seven drives, seven touchdowns, no punts, no field goals. The Patriots, on the other hand, were definitely less than perfect on the day with Matt Jones throwing almost as many interceptions on Saturday as he threw passes in this stadium back in week 13. This felt like it was more than just business to me. What about you? Yeah, it was personal. It was personal. And um, given the manner of their defeat to us in, in our first game of the series during the season, and then the fact that the media, the sports media was harping on uh, Mac Jones having only three passes, attempted three passes for the night. And, you know, and you, you, I'm sure you remember the interview, the post-game presser with um with it was Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer. Yep. And how they reacted to <laughs> being asked questions, certain questions and so on. 
They had that in the back of their mind. Sean McDermott had it in the back of his mind. And I, I know I didn't mention that I was surprised about this in the previous segment because I expected us to get beat. I really did expect us to get beat. And, and the fact that Josh Allen was so spectacular, it just didn't surprise me. He's a hard quarterback to contain any way, shape, or form. So True. I can't say necessarily that it that a, a blowout surprised me. I am because uh, in, in addition to that, I've been saying, can you know if it's one person I've been saying this to since the beginning of the season is you that I do not trust our offense. I do not trust the the people that were brought in. They are not playmakers. They're just position fillers. They 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 play the positions, but they they're not the guys to make plays necessarily, right? So I never had that much faith in our offense. And the defense just seemed to be, for all you know, it was, just, it was just that the defense was just getting tired as the season wore on because they constantly had to keep us in games. And then as you realize, um, after we hit the top spot in the AFC and then we started to be on our decline, it, it, it was just hard. The offense still wasn't doing anything, but the defense just wasn't getting it done anymore. They just didn't look as prepared and... So I, I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised that the season culminated in, in that manner of defeat. I didn't even, I couldn't even finish watching. I couldn't. Uh, the blow sent me to sleep early, man. I, I, I'll admit. I'll admit. I, I didn't finish watching it. Um, wow. That's yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. It was, too, it was tough to watch because it was just tough. To, it, it was very personal. It was very personal. Even though the Bills won the return game, the fact that is this is you now the playoffs and then they still had the home advantage. And I even saw today Josh Allen said the ball, the one of the touchdowns that he threw to Dawson Knox, he was actually trying to throw the ball away. And and he was trying to throw the ball away. Yeah. And then he got knocked down and he didn't even realize what happened. And he went to the side and a few minutes later he ended up seeing on the replay that that Knox had scored. Oh, wow. he, saw, he saw his offense going up the field and he was like confused as to what happened because he said he wasn't, he was, he, that Dawson was just in the right place at the right time, but he was trying to throw it away. Whether I buy it or not, I don't know, but it's, it's embarrassing for us though. It's no, embarrassing. I think, I think I remember the play that, that he might be referring to. Yeah, he had, he had to end up rolling to the right. Um, yes. And yeah, he was and then, falling and he, and he threw the ball. And it was, when I saw that, I was like, if he meant to throw that ball there, then he's yeah. a lot better than they thought. Yeah. <laughs> but because it fell perfectly into Dawson Knox's hands, but... It did. It did. <laughs> no, it did. Well, this drubbing felt like it was really personal for the Bills to stamp their authority on the Patriots. I honestly believe, though, that their targets are set much higher than just beating the Patriots. Oh, no, of course. Yeah. Buffalo came into this season believing that they had a Super Bowl contending team built on the arm of Josh Allen. And I personally believe that this season was humbling for them. They struggled mm. much more than anticipated in the regular season. Agreed. And when they had a shot for the number one seed for a minute, then they ended up having to settle for the three seed. Statistically, they were behind the Chiefs and the Titans, but they wanted to send a message to both those squads that we are coming. Now, the Pats yeah. were ranked fourth in defense by yards allowed per game and second in points allowed. The Titans are 12th in yards and tied for fifth in points. 
The Chiefs are eighth in points, <laughs> 27th in yards. After this performance, the Bills are serving notice to the rest of the AFC contenders. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You're correct. But I just know they, they added, added a little something extra on the end for us in that game, and I can't even fault them. It is true. Now, speaking of serving notice, after a sluggish start, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers found their stride, plucking the Eagles to the tune of 31-15. to 15. So, AJ, are the Buccaneers the biggest threat to the Packers in the NFC? I don't like this question, okay? And I'll tell you why. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Oh, how could we be asking if the reigning Super Bowl champs are the biggest threat to the number one seed? I, I, I mean, I understand, I understand where you're trying to go with this, but the fact of the matter is I feel like it should be the other way around because the Bucs are the reigning champs and they're still in the playoffs. And we're still talking about them as potential Super Bowl um, um, winners, right? All that being said, however, I'm not sure that the answer is either, either of these teams. This will surprise you. This will surprise you. But I think that the biggest threat to whoever you want to call it to the Bucs or the Packers is the Rams. And I know it, it's, it, it, I know it surprised you because I... For the last how many ever weeks, I have been very low, like selling low on my stock of the Rams, right? I have not believed in them. But they're coming alive at the right time. Let me use an analogy here, right? The Rams season to me felt like, ever, I don't know if you ever, hopefully this is not something you've had to witness or on your, for like first hand, but you, you understand, let me paint a little picture. Like somebody in, at a lake or something, so like going out to swim, so they just take their time, they walk out a bit, they're swimming, and then they get to a point where, you know, they feel like they must probably turn around and realize how far out they are, and then start panicking, start beating up the water, and then, you know, just, just panicking and, and not, not thinking straight. And then someone else from the side just tells them, hey, hey, just be calm, just be calm, Threat, just tread the, tread the water, tread the water a little bit until your feet can touch around, and then you can just walk and come back in. And they do that, they just calm down and do that, and then they walk back in, walk back to the land with all the swagger in the world. That's what the, the Ram season felt like to me. Because they started off, they, they started off like, I guess moderately, they weren't terrible. But there was a point in time where it felt like they were drowning and they did not know how to, how to, to, to basically save themselves. Right? And clearly somewhere along the way, they figured it out. I don't know if it was whispered in their ear, or they just realize, you know what, we need to get back to doing what we did best. Last night, Matthew Stafford, sorry, Monday night, Matthew Stafford threw the ball 17 times. As opposed to, to Sean McVay trying to get him to do every single thing, uh, as it seemed like when he wanted to show off his new toy early in the season, like Matthew Stafford was Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story 1 at the beginning of the season. Last night, he was buzzing like Toy Story I know two, uh, any of the ones gone down. He's, a, he's now a part of the team. He's no longer the new toy. They just, they, just, they just made him manage the game, essentially. And they got back to the run. And having Cam Akers back really allowed them to do that. And I must say, I, like, I'm, I may have to mention Sonny Michel in, in my next Accurate on our segment. Because he's actually been good this season. It, filling in for, for Cam and then basically playing as, as 
as a, 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 a duo in the backfield for last night. I think he had a few carries less, just a few. But they ran all over Arizona, and that's what they should have been doing for a while. Defensively, they were getting pressure on Canada, making him uncomfortable. He couldn't do a thing. He could not do a thing. Aaron Donald and Von Miller, who, again, I've been very critical of, because <laughs> I, mean, I just needed to see it. I, I, I saw it last night. And, and I, I don't know how much I'm ready to trust the Rams to win a Super Bowl still yet. They may, they may make me a liar there. But in terms of this NFC, I think right now, they're the worst matchup for the Buccaneers. And I think they are also a bad matchup for the Packers. I honestly do. I, I think they're coming alive at the right time. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of buying into it now. It's, it's just the fact that they got back to doing what they do best. And it, 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 it is the right time to do so. They, they figured it out, it seems so. As long as they keep going, keep going with this mantra, run the football and then just let Matthew Stafford throw where he needs to and connect on those throws, I, I think they're the biggest threat. Okay, interesting. So, as you've, you've introduced the Rams, then I will pivot to the Rams as well. We'll come back to, to Green Bay and, and Philadelphia in a second. So, the question that I would have asked you with regards to the Rams is if that game last night changed your impression of the Rams because the Cardinals, we know the Cardinals limped into the playoffs. They lost the last, lost, lost four of their last, the last five, five games. Yeah. And they were going up against a Rams team that was also struggling. But I guess the Rams, they just needed some Cardinal soup because they <laughs> ran out 34 to 11 in winning the game. Now, it's good that they seem to have finally found the switch with Odell Beckham. And it's very good to see Cam Akers back and running with reckless abandon. Mm-hmm. And it's also very good that the defense could put up a dominant showing even with Aaron Donald sitting out the majority of the second half. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he had that situation with one of the old linemen. Where yeah, he, I can't remember his name, but yeah. Yeah, he went, he went to rate the man across the face. <laughs> no, we know that Aaron Donald is not the one. However, this <laughs> yeah. guy thought that he was the one. And, well, because they were winning the game so handedly, then Sean McVay could easily tell Aaron, okay, we will need you for next week. So you just come have a seat here. You just come rest yourself right here next to me. I don't think we're going back in the game because we basically have this game won. Now, when I watched that game, that game to me was more about the ineptitude of the Cardinals than it was mm-hmm. about the Rams. The Rams defensive line played the majority of the game in Calamari's lap giving him no time to set himself or look downfield. And they kept him contained in the pocket for the majority of the game. So there were none of these scrambling to the right, scrambling to the left, sorry, to the left, throwing the ball 35 yards down the field. Nor did they allow him to run the ball effectively. And as a team, they couldn't run the ball. I was looking at that game and wondering what was going on with Cliff Kingsbury because... He just decided he was going to abandon the run. Yeah, he did. They did. And then when you look at their secondary, their secondary couldn't mount a credible performance to put the runs under any kind of pressure. And yeah, it was 
Great, you know, it felt great to say JJ Watt was back and yeah, he was going to be playing and stuff, but they made him into a complete non-factor. He had, I think, one time that they mentioned his name on the broadcast, and that probably might have been his only tackle for loss in the entire game. When I watched that game, it feels no like if the playoffs are no starting for the Rams, because as we we say in some of our chats when we're talking about fantasy. And we do always say that it's a bit disrespectful to refer to anyone's team in this manner. That felt like a boy week for the Rams. <laughs> the Rams turned up. I won the game. I went back home, hardly breaking a sweat. Except yeah, for Odell Beckham getting free and scoring his first ever playoff touchdown for the Rams. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I agree with that, yeah. So it's interesting, though, that you would say that the Rams have changed your mind. You know, they have. They have. They have. Yeah, so I didn't even know that you were going to come with that question, but there we go. There's your answer. They have. They have a, a little. I mean, from what it was before to now, they have. I'm still not all the way up there yet, but they definitely have changed my mind because they're doing what needed to be done. I think, well, they did what needed to be done. And I, for their sake, I hope they continue to do so. Now, going back to the question I had asked with regards to the, to the Buccaneers and the Packers, mm. I can understand you being the, the Brady disciple that you are. You would feel a little disrespectful to the, what everybody's, who everybody's calling the goat. That I would say that, you know, they are a threat to the number one seed. No, but I honestly do believe, though, that the distinction of being the biggest threat to the Packers mm -hmm. does not reside with the Buccaneers. They are a threat, but they're not the biggest threat. Okay. And here's my case against the Buccaneers. Outside of Evans and Gronk, they're a bit thin from a quality perspective on the offensive side. Nine receivers caught passes from Brady this week, but only four of them are names you would really recognize on their depth chart. Mm -hmm. Three of them are tight ends. You have Perryman, Rashad Perryman, who just came back. Keyshawn Vaughn is a rookie that wasn't getting much play heading into this season or heading through the season. Mm -hmm. Scotty Miller completely disappeared out of the rotation. And Giovanni Bernard was a late pickup. You have Vaughn and Bernard, who are now spearheading the backfield, and they mm -hmm. are not the tandem that is Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Mm. I'm not sure that they have the firepower to keep up with the Packers. Because, you know, that is Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that even though he's being doubled, he will still get his. And then you have the... Um, Economist St. Browns of this world and Marcel Valdez Scatlings of this world who are still very productive. And when you take that group of pass catchers and put that up against this decimated secondary of Tampa Bay, it's going to be a little bit difficult for them to leave everything up to their front seven to be able to compete and keep up with the powerhouse that is the Green Bay Packers office. And I wish Justin was here this week to hear me speaking so <laughs> uh, 
so thoroughly about his team because chances are next week is going to be a different story. Hopefully he'll be with us then. But what do you have to say Hopefully. about me and my take looking at your second squad? So I mentioned just now that uh, the Rams are, to me, the worst matchup for the Bucks right now. Because they, they, these teams played in a regular season and I remember we remember what the Rams did and how they were getting after Tom Brady, making him uncomfortable. And they ended up winning the game. Um, and it was, a solid, it was a solid victory too, like a well-deserved and solid victory. And I think they have the capacity to be able to do so once again. Especially since... So you mentioned the lack of, of names on, on, on offense. To me, that's less of an issue because of the fact that the quarterback is Tom Brady. And he's going to make the Tyler Johnsons and the um, Cyril Graysons and the Scully Millers, he's going to make them, they're going to be just fine with him. The biggest issue for me is the, the fact that the offensive line is not backed up. Ryan Jensen, we know he had an injury. He, he got uh, injured in the Eagles game. He was able to come back in, but still, you know that big men don't heal that easily when it's something, and when he was limping on the sideline, right? Mm-hmm. More importantly, Tristan Wirfs is not going to be 100%. And he is the biggest loss to me. He is the biggest loss to protect that blind side. So, you know, I, I, that's why I'm kind of like, all right. And then with, with having Aaron Donald on that interior and then Von Miller seems to be picking up steam. I don't know that I feel like I've given him a picks here before even officially make them, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, that, that is why... I'm not very high. I mean, I can be realistic about it. That's why I'm not very high on the Bucks at this point. I, the offensive line is what worries me. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's mainly that offensive line. And I, they, they usually are um, a good team, at, a good defense. They had been during the season, sorry, at being able to stop the run. But I, I don't know if if their offense is going to is going to to be fine with Tom Brady getting so much pressure and he will and he will that's the thing um something else another point I just had and I think I lost my train of thought but so that that's that's why I'm not high on them right now on the Bucks I I just think it's a really bad matchup they, they couldn't have asked for a worse matchup I think it would have even been better if they had to play the Packers right now Mm. I, I may have still gone with them if they were playing the Packers right now but the fact that it's the Rams are coming off of that game that the Rams just had I don't know the, the saving grace is, is, is if Matthew Stafford reverts to the Matthew Stafford of the second half of the season interesting but you know the one thing about that um, O-line thing I didn't say in any of the chats and I didn't say out loud to anyone but mm-hmm. I immediately had the thought. I don't know if you saw the game from the from like before kickoff when they were doing all of the pregame with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. But one of the things that they made mention of was that the strength of the Buccaneers was the offensive line. And they said that when they interviewed the head coach, Bruce Arians, he said that as long as his offensive line was fine, you know, they were confident and everything. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I was like, 
oh, you guys are <laughs> way too much time talking about this offensive line. These men are going to get hurt in this game. It has to happen. And in the first quarter, Tristan Worse goes down. Worse, yeah. And I'm like, there you have it. <laughs> Knew it was coming. You could not talk about this offensive line anymore and hope that these men were going to come out of Yeah, because as, as is well noted and documented by some of the other sports media personnel, those guys have been playing together for two years. That offensive line has been playing together for two years. Mm-hmm. So they know what they're about. So know the fact that these guys are down at this pivotal time, I, it, it, I think what I was going to add is that um, you, you, I just lost it again. What is wrong with me? That's probably mm-hmm. fatigue, though. Probably fatigue. But um, yeah, I, the offensive line has me worried. That offensive line, it has me extremely worried. Um, I, I don't know if I, I honestly don't know if I see the Bucks winning this game. Oh, what I was going to say, sorry, is that I know we've had this discussion since we've spoken about this ad nauseum. And you were saying since the beginning of the season, it, to you, it wasn't a big deal that they were able to get everyone back because injuries do happen. And I did say, I agree with that. I think all the furor behind that was the fact that from an administrative perspective that they were able to do that. Because in the league now where there's so much player movement and with guys looking for their money and whatnot, it's very hard to bring back the same team on offense and defense, just, just from that perspective. But I did agree with you that Injuries are bound to happen. And last year, these guys were, these guys were healthy. This team was healthy to me, uh, healthy enough when they needed to make that playoff run. This year, not so much. Uh, and you mentioned, you mentioned like even in the backfield. With, I, I'm, I, I'm not a very big believer in in, in Vaughn, to be quite honest. Mm. I'm not. I, I'm a, I've, I've been a Gio Bernard fan. I like Gio Bernard, but still, he's always banged up too. So. And then we say in the offensive line, it has everyone worried. So <laughs> the Rams is the worst team to go up against for the Bucs right now. Yeah, and the thing is, well, you may mention the Gio Bernard. No, I really didn't know much about Keyshawn Vaughn because they basically had him stashed deep in the depth chart. Deep, and, deep, deep. <laughs> and we had not seen him for pretty much the entire season. But you know what? I all, like, I've picked Gio Bernard a few times in fantasy. You know mm-hmm. what Joe Bernard usually does? He usually lets you down when you need him. Because Joe <laughs> Bernard is not a feature back. He isn't. No. He, isn't. he, he isn't. is a change of pace back. He is a scat back. He is mm-hmm. not a power back. I know he's supposed to be replacing two, not even one, but two yeah. power backs for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It is a problem. And, well, I mean, you've made your, um, you've kind of pitched your preview for that game Essentially. a little bit later yeah. in the show. But no, there's one, well, the two more games that we need to, to recap. Mm-hmm. But I want to take us to Arrowhead first. Kansas City has hit their stride and are firing on all cylinders offensively. And they dispatched Pittsburgh like they had no right to be on the same field as them in the playoffs. And really and truly, if we be honest, they really didn't. But anyhow, has Kansas City reasserted themselves as the team to beat in the AFC? Uh, no. 
I still don't believe it. I'm still not buying into it. Like there is the element that this team has been there before. They've been the representative for the AFC in the Super Bowl for the last two seasons. So, you know, like you would always, you always have to, you always have to hug back on that and understand that, yes, because of that, they will always be in the conversation. But from what they've showed me, even, and I'm not convinced by a win over the Steelers. I'm, I'm just not. The Steelers were the worst team in the playoffs. The Steelers were the worst team in the playoffs. I don't even think that's, that's debatable. Like, the Steelers were the one team who maybe should not have been there. Like, it was such a technicality that got them in. And, and to be quite frank, the other game should have damn well tied, so the Steelers wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten there. But that's another story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not convinced with with a victory over the Steelers and you broke down some stats about where Kansas City sit in terms of their points and yards per game and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You kind of already made the point, you know, the team, the team to beat in the AFC is the Bills. That's where it stands for me right now. As much as, as, as I just said, Kansas City, they've been there before and they're trying to be um, the first team to go to back-to-back-to-back Super Bowl since, is what, the 90s? Mm-hmm. Ah, back to back, yeah, because we didn't make three. Yeah, we didn't make three, no. right? Um, but yeah, I no, we did 16, 17, 18. What am I saying? 16, 17, 18. Any apologies, anyhow, it's the Bills for me, not Kansas City. I, I'm still not, I'm still not convinced. Still not, I'm, I'm not going to be impressed by a win over the Steelers. Interesting, it's interesting that you would be more convinced by the Rams today <laughs> after they beat up on a very very poor Cardinals team because I, I think they made the Cardinals look poor I think they made the Cardinals look poor the Steelers still put up 21 points <sighs> and they are a worse team than the Cardinals okay well I personally mm-hmm. believe that the Kansas City Chiefs have done what they needed to do to show themselves to be the class of the AFC. This is with us still not seeing the Titans, mm-hmm. who we still also are, we know we have a lot of question marks about. We'll talk about that in a second. But the Kansas City Chiefs finishing as the number two seed, they were embarrassed when they lost to the Bengals. And this is after they lost to the Chargers, the Bills, and the Titans in the regular season. They needed to send a statement, and boy, did they deliver to the tune of 42 to 21. Yes, they gave up 21 points. They scored 42, AJ. Their defense coped much better with the threat of Najee Harris, as he is the main feature of the Pittsburgh offense. The only feature. He's the only feature. I mean, no bad didn't happen. <laughs> exactly my point. Exactly my point. So I'm not. I'm. I'm just not convinced. I get what you're saying, though. I get what you're saying. But respectfully, I. I can't. I. I'm not there. On. On the. The Steelers are terrible. The Steelers are terrible. Yes. Yes. Man can't hold on to the ball. Big Ben is a relic. Uh. uh he. He. He should have been done in during the regular. Big Ben should have been done a while now. But still, he. He had one last playoff run. Good on him. Not even run, but one last playoff game appearance. I'm not. The Steelers are. They were a joke, and Kansas City. They did what they needed to do. You're correct, but does it convince me that they are now the team to beat 
in the AFC once again, they're not. Now, this is why I believe that they are. Looking ahead mm -hmm. at the teams that they have coming up, they have potential matchups against teams that beat them. Everyone mm -hmm. left in the playoffs right now beat the Chiefs already mm -hmm. in 2021. But at this point of the season, with the exception of the Bengals, because they played the Bengals in Week 17, their mm -hmm. offense is playing much more sound football than it was playing in the early part of the season. And the defense is much improved over what they also shared, showed early on in the season. And when you see the defense is playing better and their offense is clicking, where Mahomes can throw for five touchdowns and Travis Kelsey can throw for a touchdown as well. That is going to put fear in the hearts of their opponents whenever they step on the field. That is a fact. That's a fair point. I'll I'll leave that there. I'm that's a very good argument. I I like how articulated it was, but um it's it wasn't convincing enough for me. Okay, no problem. <laughs> so now let's get to the to the hottest topic of World Card Weekend. That was Dallas, where you are at versus San Francisco. And right now, Dallas probably sounds like a grave. It's a ghost town. It's a ghost town. It is a ghost town over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, this game is a storied rivalry for two teams that are not in the same division. And boy, did this game have talking points. Dal Prescott, he went 23 of 43 for 254 yards, one touchdown, one pick. 77 rushing yards as a team on 21 carries, surrendering 169 yards to Eli Mitchell and Debo Samuel. And well, it's really 168 to those two because Jimmy Garoppolo, he had one rush for one yard. Mm -hmm. And when Jimmy G was trying to single-handedly bring Dallas back into the game, we have the gaff of all gaffs where that scrambles for 17 yards on a quarterback draw then gives the ball to the center, not to the ref, who then has to pick his way through the O-line, runs into that, is confused about where to spot the ball, and when all is said and done, time expires and the Cowboys lose before getting to take a single shot at the end zone. So AJ, question is, and this is a question that's been debated for the last couple of days, whose fault is this? Uh, I'm actually sorry that Justin isn't here for this, you know, because I saw on his show, This Just In, he posted a clip of, of his segment and he was saying that Mike McCarthy is 100% to blame. And I was kind of going there at first until I thought about it more. I can't blame Mike McCarthy because he didn't hire himself. Did, did, did we all not know did we all not know that Mike McCarthy was a bad coach mercy I did, I did not see you going there with this but go ahead Ken, go ahead Ken the, is the worst kept secret in the NFL fraternity that Mike McCarthy is terrible yeah. right mm -hmm. if everyone knows that you mean to tell me that Jerry Jones does not know that <laughs> so so you you really did I, I'm like, I, I find it unfathomable that Jerry Jones thought 
that Mike McCarthy would come in and make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? This, this, that's not, McCarthy can't, can't survive that. He had Aaron Rodgers to make him look good mm-hmm. in Green Bay. That Prescott is nowhere close to what Aaron Rodgers is. The, this team is not a winning team. They, they, they're, an average, they're an average team who had a very good season on the back of their slightly above average quarterback. <laughs> okay, interesting. Listen, I, I can't blame McCarthy solely because we knew that Mike McCarthy had issues with like um, managing games, the clock management and all of that. These are not things that are new. They didn't just happen in, in, in that game against the Niners. Like, they've been happening. So I, how am how I, how I going to say, oh, well, a, a cat is to blame because he can't bark? Mike McCarthy been bad. <laughs> in, the, in the one, like, was there any other team in the NFL that was even willing to touch Mike McCarthy? Well, even though he said he was taking a year off, but was anyone, he re- anyone else really interested in Mike McCarthy? Honestly, not even Shad Khan wanted Mike McCarthy, dog. Come on, I, I, on top of like, the, the, I'm saying all this to say, for me, Mike McCarthy gets the least amount of blame, you know, because we know that he's terrible. We know that he's terrible. Kellen Moore, not offense, they did not know what to do. I don't know what it is with Kellen Moore that he chose to abandon the run in the manner that they did and just, and, and it, 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 that didn't just happen because Dallas's offense has been looking bad for the latter part of the season. For the running in the season, the offense has been looking bad, right? Dak hasn't been playing as well. And, and again, Dak was terrible. Huh? Dak was terrible against the 49ers. He was not seeing the field properly. He was missing, missing um, some what should have been easy completions. And then the, the pick, how, how, you said it was the one pick, right? The one that he threw, um, right? Dak was bad. Um, I, again, I, I'm going to hark back to Kellen Moore because how is it that C.D. Lamb, who's arguably the most dynamic of the receivers in our receiving core, how is it that he had one target all game? How? How, Sway? Listen, there's so many moving parts. And even talking about Kellen Moore, that harks back to, to Jerry Jones himself. I can't blame Mike McCarthy, Ken. I can't. I knew that Mike McCarthy was bad. I did not expect him to be able to lead this team. And what, what happened is what I expected to happen. Because I also told you, right? I'm just going to say it here. I had doubled up. Um, went a double or nothing bet with my boss. Because he said he had the Cowboys to win. I said, nah. You're not getting past the 49ers. You're not. You're winning a playoff game. So shall it be written. So shall it be done. I blame Mike McCarthy because he was as terrible as expected. I blame the man who hired him. And, and a little bit of Dak Prescott, too, because he should have been better. I don't... I, a, a little bit for Kellen Moore. Play calling was, was atrocious uh, at some point in time during the season. It was really bad last night. Tony Pollard had absolutely no impact. Obviously, Zeke did it either. I think Zeke was averaging, like, 2.5 yards a carry or something. So, with, with the, the little scraps that he was given, they just panicked. They just panicked. And it's down to Kellen Moore and Dak, but... You know where that, that's big um, contract came from? Do you know where Kellen Moore being um, selected as, as that offensive coordinator came from? You know where Mike McCarthy came from? Jerry Jones. It's Jerry's world. We're just living in it. So go home. <laughs> okay. Like I said, I, I, did not see, I did not see Jerry Jones making an appearance in the show today. But, I mean... 
That's why we do this together because you will bring the points that I did not plan for, especially you know, cats barking. That one tickles me pink. But when I look at this situation, it did this plenty of blame mm-hmm. to go around. And like you, I can't say that um, when McCarthy gets 100% of the blame. There are four people. I had it, I said three in my notes, but then it ended up being four. There are four people that mm-hmm. I'm looking at today. First up is Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator. Now, he's getting a lot of attention and lots of invitations to interview for head coaching positions on the bar. like four this week, they said, or something like that. He will have the pick of his choice to go mm-hmm. wherever he wants to after he will build Dallas to have a credible defensive unit. I mean, the fact too that he would, I may have mentioned this maybe, if not last week, two weeks ago, but he managed to get Leighton Van der to play an entire 17 game. Yeah. <laughs> Well yeah. done, Dan Quinn. You deserve whatever head coaching job you get just <laughs> on the back of that. Now, when you look at what Dallas was able to do defensively over the season, they were 7th in points, 19th in yards allowed. But for all of his scheming, that is the end mm-hmm. of my praise for Dan Quinn. He mm-hmm. still couldn't manufacture a defense that could effectively stop the run in this game. The world knows that the weakness of the 49ers offense stands behind center. But there was no game plan to force Jimmy G to beat them. And for Quinn not to scheme up something to contain the run is dereliction of duty. There's no other way we can put it. Mm-hmm. So Quinn is first. Second is Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy. No, Kellen Moore is another coach that has been getting a lot of attention for potential head coaching positions, but I personally will pump the brakes on that. Mm-hmm. Especially in the NFL, there are always questions about scheme versus personnel because you can't succeed without having good quality in both. Mm-hmm. However, when you compare what Dallas has been able to accomplish with their personnel versus other teams who have less than it makes you wonder. As an offensive unit, they have one of the most talented position groups in the league. Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz, and then their vaunted offensive line. They should be better than what we have seen, especially down the stretch and in the playoffs. Every year, they put up points and loads of yards but then get conservative and lose impetus down the stretch and meekly go out in the playoffs. And then there's Mike McCarthy. He's all, as you said, he's always had issues with clock management and putting his team in the best position to win. Mm -hmm. And this week was no different. As head coach, you have to understand game flow and when to do what. Dallas was down for most of the game, but it, was never really out of hand. They could have and should have shown more commitment to the run than they did, but they resorted to a drop back game, which then allowed Nick Bosa, before he got injured, and his cohorts to tally five sacks against Mm -hmm. his great O-line. And while I understand why McCarthy has to come and defend the play call for a quarterback draw, there is literally no time for that to run as far as he did for as long as he did. McCarthy, a veteran head coach, should have known that, but this is just another example 
of brain dead clock moments from a top, according to your guy Jerry Jones, a top head coach. And lastly, Dak Prescott. He got to hold his feet to the fire. Now, Dak completed only 53% of his passes in the most crucial game of the season. He couldn't capitalize on all the opportunities he received time after time in the game, thanks to the poor quarterback play on the other side of the field. And then he runs for 17 yards when he needs one for the first down. Then, rather than find the closest ref to give the ball to, he gives it to his center. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And then he can't get out of the way when the ref is coming in to spot the ball. Key point to note, the referee, not the center, has to spot the ball. Dak, in his press conference, said that this was a play that they practice, where the center spots the ball, the ref just has to touch it, and they can get the playoff. What Dak failed to remember or realize is that the refs don't practice that play with them. <laughs> they will always do what they always do, run in, spot the ball, and get the hell out of the way. But <clears throat> they didn't do that this time, Dak, and that's your fault. And then, as I made mention in What the What, to defend the fans patting the refs after the game as if it was all on them for what happened is deflection, disingenuous, and a tremendously poor look for Big D. It's a good breakdown. Um, one thing that we also... I just, I just kind of want to mention this because uh, neither of us touched on it. Mm -hmm. So let me bring this back up. In, in, in no way, shape, or form am I trying to absolve Mike McCarthy of blame. I'm just saying that Mike McCarthy was, he was no chameleon. He was exactly what I expected him to be, right? Mm -hmm. And it, the one thing I wanted to note is that, uh, that we didn't mention is Dallas was the most penalized team in the entire NFL this season. That is just, that is just down to poor coaching all over, right? Mm -hmm. That has Mike McCarthy's stamp and and signature all over it. But I, I, again, it's just, I, I, I never thought that McCarthy was going to do anything but fail. And mm -hmm. I, I never thought it. I never thought it. Ken, you don't rate McCarthy. I, like I said, it's, it's like the worst, the worst kept secret in the NFL. Like, do you know anyone who actually thinks this man is a great coach? Not at all. I definitely not Justin when he just, you know, got chased out of his team. Out of exactly. I ended up in Dallas. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, but this is a man that Jerry thought could lead the way. But again, as I said in the group, this is also an owner who kept Coach Claps at least three years beyond uh, however long he would say he should have stayed. And, <laughs> and after that long, nobody else in the NFL even wanted to make, uh, um, why don't I keep calling him Coach Claps? I can't, Garrett. Almost forgot the man real name. You know? <laughs> Nobody else was willing to make him a head coach. Look at look at where he is, defensive coordinator. No, he's not even that. He was the offensive coordinator. Offensive, for, offensive. Sorry, for offensive. the New York Giants. For the Giants, yeah. During the season, he did. He did. Yeah. Anyhow, and and just before we we get off at that point too, mm -hmm. you may mention of Kellen Moore being like a Jerry Jones hire. 
Mm-hmm. Alan Moore was installed as the play caller under Garrett before Garrett got fired. And it would have to be on the behest of Jerry that Kellen Moore was kept on to be the play caller for Mike McCarthy. And we've seen what has happened to this offense the last three years, where it starts the season really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of the season, it looks like boo-boo. And <laughs> then they just get knocked out of the playoffs. So safe travels, Dallas. No, it's time to look ahead to this week's divisional round with four games that on paper look much more competitive than what we've had so far. First up is the Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are a 3.5 point betting favorite heading into this game. But should they be? Or should the number one seed be the underdog, AJ? Um, what what was the order you just said? 3.5. Point spread is three and a half in favor yeah. of the Titans. Yeah, I think that's correct. I don't have a problem with that. That should be. Yeah, and you asked if, if they if they should be. If they should be the, the favorites. I, I think Tennessee should be the favorites. Yeah. They should be the favorites. I think that's very accurate. They should be the favorites. Um they are home. They have been to the championship game last year. Um, they did win the, the top seed in the AFC. It's since his first appearance here for like, it's 30 years? 30 years is what it is? Or 35? How much is it? 30? I think it's 30. You're right. So, yeah, I, I, it, it, it's accurate that, that Tennessee would be, would be the, the, the betting favorites. So, one of the things that I found interesting looking at the point spread, and of course, you know, as the week progresses, Point spreads do change quite a bit. Mm-hmm. True. Right now, we don't know for sure, but it is highly likely that the Titans are getting their identity back, to use mm-hmm. your phrase and Justin's phrase, because mm-hmm. King Henry is back in practice. He's back in training, and the expectation is that he is going to play. Yeah. Now, when he is announced as playing, again, like you said, the point spread is probably going to change but you know one of the things that i learned over time aj and this is for mine that does not gamble mm-hmm. get spotted three points just being at home so when you take the three points of being at home out of this game it's only half a point it is basically a <coughs> between mm-hmm. the titans and the bengals and while the Titans' defense has played a lot better coming down to the end of the season, mm-hmm. they didn't go up against this offensive juggernaut that is the Bengals. And Joe Burrow does not get flustered. He plays very cool under pressure. I, in my bracket for this, picking this particular game, I have the Bengals beating the Titans. I mean, I did also say earlier that that for them, I could see them getting to the championship game. So I guess that kind of gives it away for me there too. Right. So that's the first game of the week. Second game then is the Green Bay Packers. They are making their playoff debut at Lambeau going up against the San Francisco 49ers. So 
the key here in this is can Green Bay stop the run? Because the last couple of times they've played San Francisco, they have shown a complete inability to do so. I want to believe that they can. That unlike, um, as you just so eloquently stated, unlike um, Dan Quinn, that they will have a plan in place. And they're supposed to be getting some names back on defense. Not sure if any of them are like interior linemen or anything like that, but still. Um, the Green Bay Packers are going to, be, going to be prepared. I can't see how they won't be. And I think they will. They will try to stop the run and force Jimmy G to be, to be that guy. Look, if, if, if Jimmy G had to have a game, because the man was really trying to, he was trying his hardest to keep the Cowboys in that game, you know. Mm -hmm. I swear he's a Cowboys fan. If Jimmy G had to have a game, <laughs> if he had to have a game like what Mac Jones had in the first game against the Bills, where he threw three passes, right? He would end up one for three for about, about 24 yards or so with a pick, no touchdown. Because one of them is going to be a, a, a long completion. One of them, he's going to miss an open target, and the other is going to be a pick. Mm -hmm. Those will be his three throws for the night. Is is guaranteed, guaranteed. Green Bay knows this as well. I, uh, it's clearly the Cowboys who weren't hit to that game plan, but Green Bay will be prepared. I, there's no way I can see that with them having time and even, even having... Even if they, as you said, they've played them before and then having the extra week to see them play and, and knowing that that is how they beat the Cowboys, I'm, I'm very confident that, confident that they will be prepared. And this is the end of the line for San Francisco. So <clears throat> it's going to be interesting for me when I'm looking at this game. Well, like I said, the key here is to stop the run. And Green Bay has been middle of the pack this season mm -hmm. in run defense. So this is not a very good matchup for them. Mm -hmm. but the fact still remains that they have Aaron Rodgers on the other side in San Francisco. They have some injuries up front, as well as they have some issues in their secondary. Their secondary has not been great all season long. Mm -hmm. So I do believe it is advantage Green Bay heading into this game. And Aaron Rodgers is going to have to be Aaron Rodgers for them to win this game. For sure. But what the 49ers can't do is so disruptive. And you know that after seeing what happened in Dallas, Kyle Shanahan is probably trying to come up with every scheme imaginable so that Jimmy Garoppolo does not have to put this ball in the air at all <laughs> on Saturday. This is... This is going to be reminiscent of their Super Bowl run with Jimmy at quarterback, where mm -hmm. he is probably only going to throw the ball 12 times over these next two games if they were to find a way to beat Green Bay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, the X Factor is really going to be Debo for me, though. Of course. X Factor is going to be Debo. As much as Elijah Mitchell has been playing well, Debo is just... Yeah, he's he's that dude that, and I don't even know if you can game plan for him because <laughs> there's there's probably not enough personnel to cover whatever the, the the totality of what he can do, but it still should be an interesting matchup, though. Yeah, Debo is that he is the offensive weapon. 
The only thing he does Agreed. not do is throw the ball. And if he probably could throw the ball, he would probably be playing quarterback instead of Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. <laughs> And right. Jimmy, and Jimmy's banged up. That's another reason that there yeah. you go. Yeah. All right. So Sunday, the early game is Rams at the Buccaneers. You've spoken so eloquently as to why you think this is a very bad matchup for the defending chaps. I can't disagree. Right now, the the only thing that does make me pause is that they are going outdoors because mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford, he has been playing at home in a dome his entire career. Mm-hmm. He has never been this deep in the playoffs, not once in his career. And now he's going to play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I do believe that the strength of the Rams, where it is the passing game, well, they do have a very good running game as well. With Cam Akers doing what he's doing and Sonny Michel spelling him very well, when like Daryl Henderson is missing and nobody misses him, so what about him? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> when you when you see them going up against the Buccaneers, there is a lot of hope for the Rams. I know the Rams are also an underdog going into this game. I picked mm-hmm. in my bracket the Buccaneers to win this game, mm-hmm. but I don't have to. I'm not. I don't want to say it out loud because when I say it out loud, then I know exactly what's going to happen. Remember, I said this in week after week 18. The minute you are depending on a stand cranky team to bring home the bacon, <laughs> always let you down. So that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I would like the Rams to beat the Buccaneers because it is the Buccaneers and it's Brady, and I have no affinity for either. However, I can't put my faith in a stand cranky team <laughs> at any key juncture. The lesser of evils here, huh? I don't have the Buccaneers making it to the Super Bowl regardless. Okay. Get my bracket, you'll see that. So lose this week, lose next week. I don't care as long as you lose. So <laughs> lastly, as we we will use this one to wrap up our show this week, we have Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs. They are going to be at home, the number two seed. They are going to be facing the number three seed, the Buffalo Bills, who has the number one defense in terms of yards per game going up against this high-powered offense. It is literally strength versus strength. So, AJ, when you see this game, strength versus strength, which strength wins out? Well, I mentioned this in a previous segment as well. Uh, so let me just reiterate and try to keep it short. I think the Bills are the team to beat. I honestly believe that this is their time. Kansas City has not been impressing me for and at any point in time during the season, despite the fact that they have had a couple wins here and there scattered that will make you think, all right, well, yeah, they might be back. I'm not convinced in, 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 in total by a 42 game against the, the lowly Pittsburgh Steelers, because that's what they are right now. The, who are the worst team to enter the playoff. Not convinced by that, and I think the Bills are the team to beat again. Like They hammered, they ha- absolutely hammered the path, and I don't know what plan. I mean, 
Mahomes versus Josh Allen is going to be an incredible um, quarterback matchup to see because we both know um, what they both can do. I think this is the Bills. I honestly think this is the Bills. This is the Bills game to lose. Because you just spoke about the defense as well. I'm more convinced by... the Despite the fact that the Bills' offense is predicated solely on what Josh Allen can do, right? And they don't have playmakers the likes of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. On the, on the flip side, defensively, I trust the Bills more. Okay. So, in, in total, sorry, to just put a neat little bow on that, it's the Bills for me. It's the Bills game to win or lose. Okay. So... I was just here doing a, some quick, um, a quick look through the Kansas City Chiefs run in at the end of the season, right? Mm -hmm. Since they played the Packers and they beat the Packers 13 to 7, the Chiefs hung 41 points on the Raiders. Their defense took care of the Cowboys 19 to 9. They beat the Broncos. The Broncos are not a very great team, 22 to 9. Then they hung 48 points on the Raiders at home. 34 points against the Chiefs, against the Chargers. 36 points against the Steelers. 31 points against the Bengals. 28 points against the Broncos. And then 42 points against the Chiefs. Sorry, it's the Steelers. It's good, yeah. So, when I look through these games, what do I see? I see an offense that has only been getting better. They've only been playing very well. And with the exception of the game against the Bengals, the defense has also been doing very well against what could be considered high-powered offenses, teams that have good offensive potential, and then the Broncos. When they put all of that together, this is revenge time for the Chiefs. They lost 38 to 20 to the Bills early in the season. It is time for payback, AJ. They're coming back to Arrowhead. And what happened in week five is not going to repeat itself. Josh Allen that day threw for 315 yards on 15 completions. That day, that was when the Kansas City defense was historically bad. They're not that anymore. They have given me enough indications at this point that I can feel confident that the Chiefs are going to be able to take care of business come Sunday afternoon. I'm sorry, but this is where you and I will have to depart from each other because there's no way that I'm going to pick against the Chiefs at home against the Bills. I I knew you would say that. I knew you would say that. Um, so here's the thing, right? As you were going through your Kansas City stats, I'm, I was trying to look for something here. Um, because again, like I said, I'm still not convinced by this team. And you mentioned how much points they put up and you did say you did I, I noted you did say that they have done very well offensively against other high-powered offensive teams the Buffalo Bills are arguably the best defense in the NFL 
they didn't, they, what the Kansas City Chiefs have not been doing is putting up a lot of points against very good defensive teams. Because as much as they beat the, the Broncos twice, they scored 22. The Broncos are inept offensively. They have been for the bulk of the season. So they only scored nine points. And a, a, a more balanced team could have made that a closer game, right? Um, they, so they beat, they put up 22. And then in the next game against the Broncos, it was a 28 to 24. 28 is not terrible. Four touchdowns, not terrible. But still, um, the teams that they put up these points against have been like middle of the pack defenses. I, they have not had to come up. And I, when they played the Bills in week five, it was, yeah, they lost that 38 to 20, put up 20 points on the Bills. No. Yes, their defense has been looking better, but when they came up against another, and I was I was making note of this during the season because every time they, I guess it's early it's early in the season, so you could say it may not have been a big deal, but every time they came up against what was a more dynamic quarterback and not just a pocket passer, lost they lost to Lamar Jackson, then they lost to Justin Herbert, then they lost to Josh Allen, <laughs> they lost to Tannehill, but I'll leave that one alone. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, losing to Joe Burrow. So all of these guys who know how to make players and extend players, they get the better of these teams. And, and I'm, yet, I'm yet to be convinced by Kansas City's offense against a high-powered defense. That, that's all it is for me. So if they prove me wrong this weekend, we'll see. But I'm going to tell you on my bracket, I, I, will, I do not have the Kansas City Chiefs to advance. Yeah. No problem, sir. Ah, but I think that is a great spot for us to land this week's episode. As AJ made mention of his bracket, which will be coming live shortly. You who have not submitted your brackets but want to be in on our bracket challenge, remember there are prizes available if you win. We are not eligible, so even if we win, then the prize will be one of yours. So send your bracket in. You can find it on Instagram where we have indicated how to enter. We want you to enter. We want to see what you come up with. This is our first bracket challenge, and we will have some more as the year goes on. So we are looking forward to that. Unfortunately, for those of you who are college aficionados, there will be no March Madness bracket because I don't <laughs> have the first clue about any of these college basketball teams. So there won't be one last year for the first time. No, last year was the first time I did a college bracket. I'm not even I'm not gonna do that to myself. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that to the people because chances of my bracket will explode within the first week. But, as I said, this is a great spot for us to bring this episode to a close. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. We will have a guest on the show with us as well to break down what happened in the divisional round and look ahead to the championship round. So, as always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. We will see you.